0: newspaper yeah do do your mom and dad or your grandparents or others in your family do they read the newspaper very often i, I don 't read the newspaper too too much, but I have uh, loaded down a, a free app for Fox News and i 'll check that out and I, but i don 't read the newspaper too much, but you know when people report the news whether it's in the newspaper or on your iPhone or wherever it may be a good reporter will ask five questions and they all start with w w w w w what do you think might be some of those words he asks first of all he asks any question any ideas what? That, that's one of the questions he asks. Very good. Any other ideas? Who? who? Very good. When? when? Yeah. Why? Why? You guys have... There's one more. Yeah. Where? Did somebody say where yet? No. Well, I'm not sure. Okay. Did somebody say who? Somebody said who? Somebody said what? Right? I think this is the next one. Where, somebody asked, right? Did somebody ask why? Okay, here's the next one. This one. When. When. Okay? Who, what, when, where, why. Now, we're going to talk about the five W's of prayer. And, you know, uh, Mr. Doug mentioned earlier that this is our last normal Sunday. If there's ever been a normal Sunday, um, this is our last normal one. But you know, Aunt Hope and I are going to be praying for you guys. And we're going to be praying for you guys. And we ask you to pray for us. That we would continue and that we would finish well. All of us. Okay? So, as we pray, here we go. Who Can pray? Yes. Yes, you can. Absolutely. You can pray. We can pray. We all can pray. Okay, that's who. What? What can we pray? What do you think? Lord, I want a brand new Mustang. What do you think? Should we pray like that? What can we pray? Be no, no. It wouldn't be all right to pray like that. What? We can pray anything that that is for the will of God and for the glory of God. Okay? We pray according to the will of God and for the glory of God. Who? What? When? When can we pray? Yes. All All the time. Now, I recommend that to your mom and dad. You know, you can. Tell them, you know, we can we can pray all the time. But it's probably good if you're driving to keep your eyes open. Right? Wouldn't you say it'd be a good idea to keep your eyes open if you're praying, if you're driving? What do you think, Brooke? You think it'd be good to keep your daddy, to keep his eyes open if he's praying while he's driving down the road? Yeah, I think it would be a good idea. Okay. Who, what, when, where? Where can we pray? Only in church, right? No, where can we pray? Yeah. Everywhere. Very good. Who, what, when, where, why? Why do we pray? To waste time. All to... time. Yes, all the time. Why do we pray? Do... I'm going to ask you, go ahead. Praise to praise God? Very good. Do you think God answers prayer? Yes. Yeah. Yes, He does. James 5:16 says, prayer is powerful and effective. Prayer is powerful and effective. So, as we pray for each other that we will continue well for the Lord and that we will finish well for the Lord, let's remember the 5 W's of prayer. Who can pray? We can pray. What can we pray? Who, what, is that right? Yeah, what? What can we pray? Who, what? God's will, God's word. Pretty good. When can we pray? All All the time. time. Where can we pray? Everywhere. Everywhere. And why do we pray? Because God answers prayer. Okay? Prayer is powerful and effective. God answers answers prayer let's pray our father we thank you so very very much for these five w's of prayer who what when where why and how they apply to us and lord as we pray for one another that we will continue well with you and that we will finish well with you we thank you that you are a god who answers prayer And when we pray to you, prayer is powerful and effective because you are all-powerful. We thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, hold on. You younger children may leave with Miss Deb, okay? You older children are here. Dad, you got to hear this. The first Sunday we were here and you came in or out, whatever it was, we were wondering what we were getting into. (laughs) I invite you to open your Bibles with me, please, to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3. Our uh, deacons had to reschedule our previously scheduled uh, meeting, and we held it this morning here at the church before things got started. And as we were meeting together, we were just reflecting on how God has been so faithful and how his, uh, in his sovereign plan and purpose and will He's just worked out every detail, and, and not just the overall picture, but every detail that has put that picture together. And you know, I, I'm amazed, I shouldn't be. I'm amazed at how uh, the, the message that we're going to consider together this morning was actually in the sequence of Philippians chapter 3, or of the book of Philippians. We will not get to Philippians chapter 4. But um, we'll finish up today with Philippians chapter 3, verses 15 through 21. And uh, I can't really think of a more appropriate word for us to finish together on than this one today. Uh, Turning toward joy has been our series here in the book of Philippians. Discovering a joy that circumstances cannot change. And here in Philippians chapter 3 verses 15 through 21 we're going to be looking together at the joy of maturity, the joy of maturity. And I'd like to read these verses, but I'm actually going to begin with one verse previous. So we're going to look at Philippians 3:14 through 21 and you'll see later on why I've chosen to read 14 as well. Paul is writing to the Philippian believers and he says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we have attained. Brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their minds on earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. In one of uh, many attempts to scale Mount Everest before their successful climb in 1953, a team of mountain climbers made a final dash for the summit. And their attempt failed and today they are buried somewhere in the snow toward the summit of Mount Everest. One of the party who had stayed below when the final assault was attempted returned to London, and he was actually speaking on mountain climbing and speaking specifically about climbing Mount Everest. And as he concluded his address, he turned around, and addressing this beautiful picture of Mount Everest that was behind him, he said this, We have tried to conquer you and failed. We tried again and you beat us, but we shall beat you, for you cannot grow bigger, but we can. And there are many similarities between Christian maturity and Mount Everest. And this is in your notes. Just as a true mountain climber can never give up as long as there is still an unconquered peak, so Paul could not let the Philippian believers give up until they had reached spiritual maturity. His challenge to them is also his challenge to us. Keep on walking. Keep on growing. Keep on climbing. That's a good word, don't you think? Keep on walking. Keep on growing. Keep on climbing. And this also is in your notes. We must not give up until we reach our potential in Christ. It is always too soon to quit. Always. It is always too soon to give up. We must focus our attention on four things that are absolutely nef- necessary if we are to keep moving upward toward spiritual maturity. In one of his books, Dr. John MacArthur uh, writes out uh, when he was in either high school or college, I don't remember which, uh, he was on a track team. And he was one of four members of uh, the men's relay. And the team started out. First one ran his leg. The second one ran his leg. They were a little behind, but the third one was beginning to run his leg, and they had their fourth guy ready to go, and they believed when they got to the fourth one, they were going to be able to surpass the other team because he was their fastest man. Well, I believe Dr. MacArthur at that time, John MacArthur, had run his leg, and the third guy started, and he started running around a track, And all of a sudden, he stops. And he goes over and sits at the side of the track. Well, his teammates ran up to him, thought maybe he had had pulled a hammy or or something had happened. And they went over to him and they said, What's the matter? Are you okay? What, What happened? He said, I just didn't feel like running anymore. He quit. He just quit. And when he quit, it not only affected him, it affected his team, didn't it? When we quit, you know, someone wrote, no man is an island. Well, there's a great amount of truth to that. When we quit, it affects everybody else around us. And it doesn't matter if it's a pastor or a deacon or, or a team member or a team leader When we quit, it affects everyone, and it affects the body. And that's why Paul tells us here in so many words, keep on walking, keep on growing, keep on climbing, don't quit. It's always too soon to quit. It's always too soon to give up. And so again, we must focus our attention on four things that are absolutely necessary if we are going to keep moving upward towards spiritual maturity. The first thing absolutely necessary to focus on is great encouragement. And Paul writes about that in verses 15 and 16. Let us therefore as many as are perfect have this attitude. What's he referring to? That's why I read verse 14. It's referring to the attitude in verse 14. Press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if in anything you have a different attitude, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. One of Paul's special gifts was his ability to encourage others. It is very, very important for us to look for opportunities to encourage others. And we can find out in just a very brief interch- interchange, a very brief exchange in conversation, whether someone is, is discouraged or not. If we're listening. And if we're paying attention. And I, I've spoken with some people here, and I want to speak to someone before we leave. There, there are some of you who are Discouraged. And we need to look for opportunities to encourage. Paul was very, very good at that. He always found ways to encourage others. Now, at first, Paul's words seem to be a contradiction. Back in verse 12, Paul had written that he had not attained perfection. And now, here in verse 15, he exhorts his readers to strive for perfection. How could he expect from them what he had never been able to attain himself? Well, the answer is found in what the word that Paul uses per, for perfection. Here, in this verse, perfection speaks not of sinlessness, but of maturity and completeness. Like the maturity of an adult compared with that of an infant. And there are two possible responses to Paul's challenge here. First of all, he writes about this attitude. Have this attitude. Which attitude is he talking about? The attitude he mentions in verse 14. Pressing on. Pressing on. Pressing on. Not quitting. Keep walking. Keep growing. Keep climbing. That's the attitude. And then Paul refers to a different attitude. Attitude. There are those who have a different attitude. Perhaps they want to grow, but they're not willing to pay the price. You know, there there are a lot of people who probably think, man, I I really want to grow. I really want to be like Jesus. Okay, here's the first step you need to take. Oh, that's asking a bit much. It's a big difference between wanting to grow sort of, wanting to grow, and paying the price that it takes to keep on growing, to keep on walking, and to keep on climbing. And so Paul addresses here this different attitude. And notice as he continues with his encouragement, it is very straightforward encouragement. Notice what he says in verse 16. Let us keep living by the same standard to which we have attained. The language Paul uses here is military language. And he is telling his readers to stay in line. Keep in line. Keep in line with the word of God. Keep in line with the will of God. The Philippians were to keep on walking the same walk and thinking the same thoughts. Walks and thoughts based on on the truths of the word of God. I don't know if you've ever done this. I, I kind of like, from time to time, I haven't done it for a long time, but I kind of like walking in a cemetery and reading epitaphs. Have You ever done that? You know, that's where Hope's mom and dad got her name. They got her name off a tombstone. And her middle name, I believe, it's beautiful, beautiful middle name, but they got it off a tombstone. Her name is Hope, and her middle name is Electa. I love that. That's a beautiful name. And uh, when I think of it, I, I think of those, of her, obviously, but I also think of those big Buicks they used to make that had an R in it, Electra. You remember those things? Those things were a boat, man. You could drive them into your backyard, turn it over, and use it for a swimming pool. It was huge. But, you know, Uh, Hope is not electra, she is electa, hope electa. But her parents got that off a tombstone. Well, different epitaphs you can see on tombstones. They, They tell you something about a person. Sometimes it's scripture, sometimes it's something else. Not very flattering, actually. But you know, there's an epitaph at the base of one of the Swiss Alps. And It honors a man who fell to his death attempting to climb to the summit of one of these peaks in the Swiss Alps. The marker gives his name and this brief epitaph. Here it is, three words. He died climbing. Now, take that over into the spiritual realm. Wouldn't you like that to be said of you? That guy died climbing, man. That guy died pressing on toward the goal. The steam engine's already gone by, folks. If, if you're looking for the steam engine, you missed it. It's going to be coming back through when? About 630. If you want to see the steam and it's beautiful, by the way. A bunch of us went out there and took pictures. It's beautiful. The thing, man, the, the black engine, it was, it was bright, wasn't it? It was brilliant. And beautiful, beautiful thing. I was kind of joking around, and I said, oh, so the guy's still shoveling the coal. And somebody said, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they aren't, are they shoveling the coal, or aren't they shoveling the coal? This one the stoker, but the the okay, so it's kind of automatic. There, there's, Mr. Stoker is, is, is uh, chucking the coal on it. All right, but it's the same principle, same principle. And it's a beautiful thing. So if you get a chance to see it. Uh, It's worth it. But you know, every Christian, it should be able to be said of us, we died climbing. You know, this combination of we're saved by grace through faith alone. I I believe that with all my heart. We're saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. I, I believe that with my whole heart. I also believe that the Christian life is a life exertion. A life of exerting force and power and and being committed to what God has called us to. And I believe I'm I'm in harmony with Paul as I say that. He tells us here, press on, press on. In our Christian walk, we're to press on. Not to get saved. Uh Uh-uh. But we press on because we are. And we want to glorify God. We want our life to count for Him. The second thing which is absolutely necessary in which we must focus our attention if we are to keep moving upward toward spiritual maturity is godly examples. Notice verse 17. Brethren, Paul writes, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. Paul invited the Philippians to join in following his example. This phrase could actually be translated, become fellow imitators of me. The word here is the word that we use in our English language for mimics. He says, mimic me. But you know what I love about Paul? He says this here and elsewhere. Imitate me as I imitate Christ. Just don't imitate me. He says, imitate me to the degree, to the extent that I imitate Christ. And so he is telling his followers here, we've done our best to be an example. Example then here in this context is equal to imitate. In the latter part of verse 17, Paul speaks, uh, uh, speaks of Paul, pardon me, and his friends, being a pattern. Now, the word pattern actually means to strike an image upon a blank piece of metal. It was the, the phrase that was used to make coins. It's the same, same concept here. Pattern, then, is equal to image. So example is equal to imitate. Pattern is equal to image. And as Paul and his friends followed Christ closely, they were making a pattern for others to follow. It is impossible to assess the power of a godly example. You know, I can, I can think of people in my past who have had a great impact on my life. That little guy that used to run around and be incorrigible, whatever that meant, you know, there were people who were an example to me. And I don't remember a lot of what they said. But I remember their example. They were godly people. And they, had, they left a godly example for me. Whether it was behavior or whether it was their relationship to their spouse or their relationship to their children. Just to imitate that. That's what Paul's talking about here. And and the power of a godly example and a godly pattern are unbelievable. And Paul exhorts the Philippian believers to observe his and his friends' walk. And he is equating the word walk here to conduct. We are known by our walk. You know that? I had a friend in high school. His name was Lowell Decker. And Lowell and I were good friends. Uh, my parents and Lowell's parents were real good friends. Lowell's parents were farmers. They were dairy farmers. They had a big dairy farm. And I would often help uh, milk the cows, and I would often help get hay, and so on and so forth. And Lowell and I became good friends. Well, Lowell, I'll have to stand up here for this. Lowell walked like this. He was really bow-legged. I can hardly stand like this. He was really bow-legged. He walked like this. And you have observed, I have a tendency to walk like this. Pigeon-toed. Have you noticed that? Or am I getting better at it? But, you know, my parents took a picture of us walking from behind. Here's Lowell, and here I am. And we have that picture. And that was the coolest picture. But, you know, we're known by our walk. Over in Spain, this was years ago, they called me El Rubio. The, the Spaniards called me El Rubio, which means the blonde-haired guy. So because all of those, uh, the Spaniards, are usually dark-skinned and dark hair, my hair was a little lighter, so they called me El Rubio. I wasn't really blonde. It was just brownish. Now I, I color my hair. But you know, they, they would talk about el rubio, y como anda, how, how the blond guy walks. And you know how they imitated me? And you've probably seen this walk too, like this. And I still walk like that. You know why that is? My nose is so big, it weighs me down. And so I walk like this. That's why. But, you know, I was known by my walk in Spain. And I hope by more than one way. But we're known by our walk. You are known by your walk. I am known by my walk. And I'm not talking about our idiosyncrasies and our eccentricities with the way we physically walk. The Bible tells us, it's very clear, how we are to walk, how we are to conduct ourselves. Walk equals conduct. As Christians, we are to walk in newness of life. We're in the world, but we're not to be of the world. We are to walk by faith. We cannot always see everything. But the Lord knows. He guided Abraham from Ur of the Chaldees. Abraham didn't know where he was going. Today he would be called a fool. What? You're leaving Ur to Chaldees, which was the cultural center of the world at that time? And he left, the Bible says, not knowing where he was going. God knew. And Noah starts building an ark because this thing called rain is going to happen. And Noah had never even seen rain. And he was building a boat. And then there's Moses. The Bible tells us that Moses gave up the pleasures of Egypt. He didn't know. It was probably a good thing. He didn't know he was going to be wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. But they went. Not by faith, or not by sight, but by faith. And just to let you know, um, we've received a call from a church in Wisconsin. And we were asked to, uh, by our director, Tom Harris, if we would be willing to submit our resume, we looked at their, what's called church information form, tells a lot about their situation, what their um, challenges are, what's going on there, and then we went on their website to check out where they are and just learn a little bit about the area, we told Tom that we would be willing to serve there if, if God opened that door. Um, because we, we don't really know where we're going to be from one place to the next. But you know, I've said to Hope, I've probably said to some of you, this place is not at the end of the world, but you can see it from there. <laughs> I'm telling you, this place is up there, man. Um, it, it's like seven, mi- or seven hours north of Chicago. Chicago. And if you leave this little town called Westboro, it's called, and then there's Rim Lake, Rib, Rib Lake, uh, you go directly east. You're in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan, so uh, it's it's up there. And you know, Tom, you, you got to know Tom. He says it, it's up there. You'll need some extra layer of clothing. But where God guides, He also provides. I'm thinking, yeah, right, Tom, it's easy for you to write that from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. But, but uh, I, I said that in jest, of course. Uh, we, we love Tom. He, he's lived in Michigan a good part of his life, uh, up above Grand Rapids. And back in October, the headquarters kind of moved down to Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. So we're just going to have to make sure we go to visit Tom every once in a while. But you know, we, we, we don't know if that's where we're going to be or not. Uh, but our resume is there, other resumes are there, we're assuming. And so uh, as we hear something, we'll let you know. But you know, it's exciting, most time, isn't it, Hope, to, to walk by faith and, and not by sight. Uh, we, we had been praying for a place closer to the girls, back east, but but this time, maybe God's going to say, "No, not yet." Maybe some other time. But you know, God is in it. God is in it, and and that's good enough. And so, as it says here, we we walk by faith. Next, we walk by the Spirit, not the flesh. It's so easy to walk by the uh, by the flesh, isn't it? So easy. But we're told. walk by the spirit walk in love this is genuine unconditional agape love walk as children of light we we live in a world of darkness and as light we can cast light and we can dispel darkness we're to walk as children of light then we are to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord Um, you know I believe it's Paul says by the grace of God I am what I am well you know Boy, I never want it to be said uh, to the disgrace of God, I am what I am. I, I never want that to be the case. But that we would walk in a manner worthy of him. And then it says, walk in him. And one thing I've shared with some of you in the church family, different occasions, is how God is all around us. There there are scripture texts that I have written down uh, that tell us that God is to our left, God is to our right, he is before us, he is behind us, he is under us, he is over us, we are in him, and he is in us. You don't don't have any more security than that. And we're told here to walk in him. And that, in a way of, of speaking, is to say we are to walk as he walked. If we are in him, then as people see us, they're going to see Christ. And that's what it's all about. Okay, the third thing which is absolutely necessary, on which we must focus our attention if we are to keep moving upward toward spiritual maturity, is godless enemies. Now I'm going to be very brief with this. The enemies of a mountain climber are usually the elements, such as avalanches, Unexpected blizzards, high winds, uncertain footing. The enemies for a spiritual mountain climber are usually people. Usually. Paul had previously referred to these enemies in chapter 3, verse 2, as dogs and evil workers. Here he refers to them as enemies of the cross. He described these enemies with these following terms, and I'm just going to mention them. He speaks of their goal when he writes, whose end is destruction. He speaks of their God when he writes, whose God is their appetite. He speaks of their glory when he writes, whose glory is in their shame. He speaks of their grid when he writes, they set their mind on earthly things. You know, we all have a grid we all have a grid from which we make choices. We all have a grid from which we make decisions. Now, for these people, everything was based on me, 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 earth, 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 world, 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 flesh, 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 so on. Paul says ours is to be the opposite. We are to have a grid that is set on our Savior, our Lord, our God, and heaven. And James 4.4 makes it very clear. Friendship with the world is hostility toward God. And we are told in the Word of God, set your mind on the things above, not on things that are on the earth. And the only way we can do that is by having a renewed mind, by filling our hearts and our minds with the Word of God so that we can have our grid and our mind set on on godly and heavenly things. Okay, the fourth and final thing which is absolutely necessary and which we must focus our attention if we are to keep moving upward toward spiritual maturity is grand expectations. And this has to do with the return of Christ and the redemption of our bodies. You know, when I was uh, in the Army, um, I've shared with you, I'm sure, that I was stationed overseas. And I received word from the Red Cross that my dad was hospitalized, and and I needed to get back to the States quickly uh, in order to see him while he was still living. So I I got back, long story short, got back, and uh, was able to be in the hospital with my dad. the day before he went to be with the Lord. Well, after my dad passed away, went to be with the Lord, my mom was alone. My two brothers and my sister were married and and living in different parts of the world. Uh, And I was being relocated. The Army was relocating me in in a military base about 45 minutes from where my mom lived so that I could finish my military duty. I only had a couple months left. So I was stateside, finishing up my military duty. When my mom was alone, I was helping her through that time. And she had to move out of the house where my parents had lived. And so she was looking to purchase a place. And she looked at this really nice place overlooking Cayuga Lake, which is in the heart of the Finger Lakes of central New York. Beautiful place, overlooking the lake. And as we came out, she said, Len, I don't think this is where I should live. And I said, "Uh, what what are you thinking? Why are you saying that? And she said, well, God has given me a a passion to share the word of God with women and with children. This is out in the middle of nowhere. These These ladies, these children will never be able to get to me here. I think I need to be in town. So we, we went back toward the little town of Interlaken, uh, where Hope and I met. And uh, there was a house right in the middle of Interlaken. Interlaken was very similar to Marenzi, a lot like Marenzi, a little smaller maybe. And we saw this house right in the middle of the town, kind of an ugly yellow. And, uh, but we went with the gentleman, the realtor, We went into the house, walked around. Mom said, Len, this is the place. And I said, "Uh, okay, what are you basing your decision? She said, the buses come right by here. The school's right down the road. I'll be able to have access to the kids. Ladies will be able to get to me very easily here. She said, this is where I need to be. I said, Okay. And you know what she said? With eternity's values in view, Lord. With eternity's values in view. You know that chorus? May I do each day's work for Jesus with eternity's values in view. We have grand expectations. Really. We, we have The return of Christ to look forward to. We have the redemption of our bodies to look forward to. I'm really looking forward to that one. You think the Lord will give me a smaller nose, Jason? I might not be recognizable if he does, right? But you know, the the return of Christ, the redemption of our bodies, grand expectations. Really, who gives a rip? Whether we live way up in Wisconsin, we're down in South Carolina when we think of eternity. Does that make sense? And so Paul talks here about grand expectations. How are we going to keep on walking? How are we going to keep on growing? How are we going to keep on climbing? Keeping these things in perspective. But thinking of our end. Thinking of our future our eternal future with the Lord. And it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for Paul's example and for his teaching. Help us to embrace it and really be all that you desire that we be, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, praises and prayer requests at this time. I'll get us started because Deb K. shared with me, uh, asking if we could pray. She has family.